Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. Thanks for listening to the Political Rewind podcast. Be sure to like and follow us and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. I'm not sure I like starting the week with making a statement that proves unequivocally what a geek I am. Uh, But I think there are people like me who follow politics very closely, either as journalists or uh, political science professors and the like, who are really excited today because early voting (laughs) begins in Georgia. It's already underway across the state. Uh, People are already casting ballots in the 2022 midterm. Um, We're going to talk about that and talk about the Walker-Warnock debate, the upcoming debate between Abrams and Kemp. And I'll introduce the panel in just a moment. But but before I do, I really have to make one observation. As many of you who listen to GPB Radio know, we're we're in the middle of our fall uh, pledge drive, where we really need to turn to you and ask you for your support to keep programs like Political Rewind moving forward. Um, but we also understand that Political Rewind at election time has become a really important vehicle for you to learn about what's actually happening in politics. And so uh, our management team agreed that today we were going to have a full show. No pledge breaks. We're going to have the full 59 minutes, which is the length our show runs, to talk about the extraordinary developments going on in the midterm elections. Now, doing that means we're not going to have as much of an opportunity to ask you to support us. So here's all I'm going to say about this, and then we're going to move on. If you are not a contributor to GPB Radio, I'm asking you, this is the time you think about doing it. You can do it one of two ways. You can do, do it by going to gpb.org, and you'll see up in the right-hand corner of the homepage a Donate button. Or you can call a phone number, 800-222-4788. And I hope you understand that um, by giving up a pledge show today, um, we're, we're maintaining our commitment to bring you the kind of programming that you care about and have told us for a long time you do. All right, enough of that. Let's get right to it. Um, I'm joined, as I am on Mondays, by Patricia Murphy, political reporter and columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Patricia writes the Political Insider column, which you read on Wednesdays and Sundays in the newspaper, and, of course, oversees the jolt, the best summary every day of what's happening in uh, politics across the state. Hi, Patricia. Boy, it really is. It, we're at election time, Patricia. We are. Today's the day. I don't think you have to be a nerd <laughs> to get excited about that, but maybe that's just <laughs> me looking in the mirror. <laughs> but yeah. thanks for having me, Bill. It's a great day to be on. Oh, absolutely. Stephen Fowler is back with us, too. He's uh, GPB News' political reporter. Stephen, you were down at the debate on Friday night and filed a story that people can find on our website right now. Thanks for being here this morning, Stephen. I was. It was a beautiful weekend in Savannah. There also happened to be a debate down there, so glad that the two of those overlapped. <laughs> um, back with us again is Kendra King-Mammon, who is a professor of political science and associate provost at Oglethorpe 
University, uh, because I get to see you, Kendra, because we get to look at each other on WebEx. Um, you got your Falcons hat on today. Big day for the Falcons yesterday. Listen, it's never too late to pull a turnaround. So it's a great day for the Falcons. It's a great day uh, for early voting in our state. Glad to be here. <laughs> well, we're glad you are here. And we're always happy to welcome back to the show Alan Abramowitz, now Professor Emeritus of Political Science at Emory University. Alan, you've been following politics in this state for a very long time, so I suspect we can include you in the geek category about early elections starting today. I'm, I'm totally uh, accept that, that description. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's what I'd like to do to start. I, I do think there's a lot to talk about in terms of the Walker-Warnock debate in Savannah on Friday night. Um, some specific um, moments that I think are worth uh, unpacking a bit. But, but at the very start of the show... Um, rather than me directing the conversation, I'd love to have each of you, starting with you, Patricia, just give me pretty briefly your uh, observations about what unfolded, how you felt about what you saw. So on Friday night, I wrote a column about this. Um, I think that Herschel Walker had the debate that he needed to have. He could not leave that debate stage without turning in a um, an at least serviceable performance. I think he did better than that even. He had a single job and that was to convince Republicans who were still on the sidelines who have doubts about his basic capabilities to function as a public official. He needed to convince them that he could meet that bar, that he could be on a debate stage, that he could hold his own against Raphael Warnock. And I think he absolutely uh, did that. I think um, Raphael Warnock was not as aggressive as I expected him to be. He didn't bring up as much about Herschel Walker's many vulnerabilities as I had expected. The debate moderators also didn't get that far into that territory either. So um, I think Walker overall had a very strong night and then and the night he needed. Um, Stephen? Yeah, I don't think there was really much meaning or purpose to the debate in Savannah in the sense that there wasn't really that much new that we learned from either candidate uh, at either of their opponents there. I mean, going into the debate, like much of the campaign, Raphael Warnock's message was, I'll work with anyone so long as it helps Georgians. I'm going to talk about working with Ted Cruz and Tommy Tupperville and you know, I'm going to talk about the things that I did to lower the cost of health care. And lo and behold, that is what he did during the debate. And he didn't really bring up any of Herschel Walker's past issues or controversies. Uh, on the other side, uh, Herschel Walker has spent much of the campaign and his uh, staff has spent much of the campaign tying Raphael Warnock to Joe Biden, to inflation, to other things like that. And that's basically what we got from the debate. And there really wasn't much new ground covered other than Herschel Walker backtracking on his stance on abortion, which previously he was saying he opposed abortions, no exceptions. And now it has been backtracked and walked into, I support Georgia's abortion law because that's the law that's in Georgia. Uh, and so I, I didn't really get a whole lot from that debate. Uh, and at this point, honestly, too, I think voters didn't either. Because I, this race, I feel like there's a lot of people that just have baked in thoughts about Walker and Warnock. And it's just a matter of turning those people out instead of persuading people to switch sides. 
Well, that 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 I you you anticipated the, the next question I'm going to ask, which is, do you think the debate changed minds? But before we get there, Kendra, so um, it's interesting to hear Patricia's observations as opposed to Stephen's, uh, because uh, it, Stephen uh, does not include the possibility that Walker did in fact exceed expectations, and that perhaps there are people out there who are on the fence about him who may have seen his performance as a positive. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about this, um, having watched it, and I was like, you know, this wasn't quite the thriller in Manila, but it could have been seen as a sizzler in Savannah, um, because I think Walker really surprised people. He came out swinging. Um, he did not back down. Um, and I, I agree with Stephen. You didn't really hear a lot new from Warnock. Um, that didn't happen last night either. But I, I do think that um, Herschel Walker um, presented himself well. Um, and I do think that um, it it did sway a few people. I've been talking to people who are a little swayed. Um, they're like, you know, who do you vote for? Which of the W's, right, um, do, you, do you vote for? And so I do think this bumped um, the, the Walker campaign a bit. Alan? I'd actually be surprised if this moves the needle. Um, so I'm more in the camp that, that this was a big nothing burger. Um, first of all, as far as undecided voters are concerned, um, they're not watching this debate. Um, the undecided voters, which is a very, very tiny group um, at this point, um, tend to be those who are actually the least interested in politics and the least likely to tune into a debate. Uh, now, people may read or hear something about the debate, you know, in the news. And that's probably mainly the way it will have an effect. But I didn't see anything that happened there that's likely to sway voters. Um, yeah, uh, Walker, you could say that Walker exceeded expectations. I think, to be honest, I think that both Warnock and the debate moderator sort of let him off easy um, by not pressing him on, on some of these um, stories of, about his past episodes of violence and, and about the abortion story. And in fact, there's a story in the Washington Post today you know, that Walker has now acknowledged that he did, in fact, uh, send that check to the woman, that that was his signature and that was his check. But he's still claiming he didn't pay for an abortion. I mean, that's, you know, even though we know that the woman produced the receipt for, for having this. So this is, you know, a, a totally implausible denial, but he was allowed to, to sort of get off the hook pretty pretty easy. Uh, the format of the debate, I think, just didn't allow for much in the way of follow-up, didn't allow the candidates to question each other, uh, only allowed for very brief answers and very, very brief follow-up. So I think the debate format was somewhat to blame for that. But no, I, I don't see this moving the needle. Um, Patricia, uh, you you referred to the lack of apparent lack of aggressiveness you saw with Raphael Warnock. And I, I had the same reaction uh, to that. And, and I guess we could wonder about that. Um, on one hand, um, I talked to Rick Dent over the weekend, who people are getting familiar with on this show. Um, and he's been involved as a political consultant, um, an activist for a long, long time. And, and, and Rick suggested one of a couple different theories. Either Warnock uh, felt that what his best uh, uh, strategy uh, might be was uh, to let Walker sort of hang himself in certain circumstances, in, in terms of certain answers that he gave. Uh, but, but, but also, maybe Warnock has internal polling that suggests that he's ahead enough, comfortable enough ahead, that he doesn't have to go after uh, Herschel Walker, and that a better 
uh, posture for him to take in this debate was to make himself more acceptable to some of those folks out there who are undecided uh, voters. He's the statesman between the two. Yes. Well, if that's his internal polling, we haven't seen a lot of external polling to back up the fact that he has such a huge lead. He doesn't need to be aggressive. And I've thought a lot about um, his performance on Friday night. You know, I think also we can't discount the fact that he is a Baptist preacher. And there's just a certain level of comportment that we expect from Raphael Warnock in that role. Um, Not that he is always a preacher, but that is his demeanor. And he avoided, um, in Leffler's case, going up against Leffler, attacking her, being extremely negative about her. He really focused on his own positive brand. And that worked for him in that case. Um, This felt a little bit different. Now, listen, by, by last night, when Warnock was on the debate stage with the Atlanta Press Club without Walker on stage because he skipped that debate. Um, Warnock was more aggressive, and he did talk about the past allegations of abuse against Herschel Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that my opponent has a well-documented history of abuse that he's never answered for. Um, mm-hmm. and so it was a change of tone. Unfortunately, Herschel Walker was not there, and I think the viewership yeah. must have been a fraction of what it was on Friday. Yeah, I think that's probably right. So let me poll you all on this question. Uh, Alan has already said he doesn't think the needle will be moved by this debate as long as the ball's in your court. Just a quick answer to that. Yes or no, Patricia? Is this going to give an advantage to either candidate? I think that Friday performance will give Walker an advantage among a very small but important number of Republicans who were on the fence with him. People who might be, we've seen this over and over again, people who are voting for Kemp, Republicans, but who haven't committed to voting for Herschel Walker. Uh, Is that what you're talking about, right? Yes, that's right. I mean, there have been a number of focus groups with Republicans not worried about Herschel Walker's kind of um, hypocrisy, paying for abortions, uh, abusing his ex-wife. Those were not really registering. It was his um, his ability, his ability to do the job was their concern. And I think um, he performed well enough Friday night to get those Republicans who don't like Joe Biden and are looking for a path to support Walker, gave them that path. Kendra? Yeah, I completely agree with Patricia. I I think that, um, again, when you're looking at Walker and his performance, it it wasn't performance positive against Warnock. It was performance positive for those within the Republican Party who are still a little bit on the fence with him. Um, I also think that we have to and we can't discount conservative African-American Christian men um, who are a bit torn between these two um, African-American candidates. And so to that point, I don't think Warnock had to be um, as aggressive Friday night because his campaign ads have done a bang up job of that. And and then, you know, the prop, which went around the world, you know, um, it's a meme and everything else. Um, uh, I mean, Herschel Walker hit himself in the face with that one. So there are enough uh, slip-ups uh, Friday evening for Warnock to t- just stay in that position. Stephen, what's your take on that? You've already made it fairly clear you don't think this debate meant much of anything. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I think the, the people that it meant the most to are our esteemed colleagues in the national media that have descended upon Georgia and are looking mm-hmm. for a narrative and looking for ways to Uh, set up a battle and a showdown for control of the Senate and kind of sensationalize a lot of things. But I think, you know, I, I did hear from a lot of people that are both involved in politics, not that involved in politics, 
vote for Republicans, vote for Democrats. And after Friday night's debate, the really the only thing that stuck with people is that image of Herschel Walker pulling out a Johnson County honorary deputy badge. And that's not, that's not necessarily going to sway a lot of people and move a lot of people. I just think in Georgia, in these top two races, both in Senate and governor, there's not much more that can come out positively or negatively about either one of these candidates to suddenly make people go, oh, you know what? Actually, I think I'm going to switch a vote. I mean, I think I do firmly believe that this is a turnout type election for the Senate race and less about persuasion because, you know, with the stories about abortion with Herschel Walker, there weren't people suddenly going, oh, that's the line that I draw right there. It's just the more baked in controversies that have dogged him for the last 14 months. And the same with things about Warnock. I mean, I, I think I think people already have their perceptions and their opinions, and this debate and anything that comes out of this debate is just going to get to a place of, is it worth it for me to go out and vote for this person, or is, uh, do I not even want to bother with it? Uh, Ellen, I want to bring you in, but I want to bring you in uh, to talk about, among other things, the badge moment, <laughs> the moment in which Herschel Walker did flash that deputy badge after uh, Raphael uh, 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 Warnock uh, called him a liar for saying he's involved in law enforcement. Let's listen to just a little of that exchange, and then, Alan, uh, uh, you respond. One thing I have not done, I've never pretended to be a police officer, <laughs> and, and, and I've, never, I've never threatened a shootout with the police. Well, and now I have to respond to that. We are, we are, we are no, moving no, no, on, no. gentlemen. I have to respond to that. And you know what's so funny? I am work with many police officers. I ask you to put that prop away. Well, it's not a prop. This is real. And he said, I have a problem. I never worked with law enforcement. It is considered a prop, Mr. Mr. Walker. Excuse me, sir. Yes. You're very well aware of the rules. (laughs) Alan? Yeah, that was kind of a remarkable moment. And uh, I I guess if there was a single moment that's likely to get picked up um, outside of Georgia, uh, as well as, you know, here, uh, that, that's probably it. You know, I would also mention that Walker's comments about um, the price of insulin are also pretty strange. Um, so I, agree, I mean, I agree with Patricia that I think if, if, if there were kind of wavering Republicans who are looking for a reason to support Herschel Walker, they, they, they could find things in this debate. But I kind of believe that that was going to happen anyway, um, with or without the debate. I think that if you have these sort of like wavering Republicans, leaning Republicans who are inclined to vote for a Republican candidate, um, looking for a reason to do that, I mean, with or without the debate, that's probably where they're going to end up. I totally agree that this is a turnout election. Um, I think that the ability of the Democrats to turn out African-American voters, to turn out younger voters, is going to determine what happens to uh, to both uh, you know, in both the gubernatorial and Senate election, of course, I think Kemp's in a stronger uh, position uh, a- anyway. But I- I'm very interested. This sort of split ticket voting that we're seeing is uh, is a very interesting phenomenon. There's not a huge amount of it, but there's enough that in two close races, you know, it could produce a split outcome. And that's something that's pretty unusual. You know, Patricia, moments like the badge moment uh, in other debates have had major consequences. I mean, just one quick example, George H.W. Bush on stage with Bill Clinton uh, in 1992. Uh, It's a a forum with a live studio audience, and the camera at one point captures the president, President Bush, 
looking at his watch to basically see how much more time is there. That was a moment that many people thought had an impact on how voters felt about George H.W. Bush. We live in such a tribal time that uh, things like whether Herschel Walker uh, threatened his uh, ex-wife or not, or whether, in fact, he has a fake sheriff's badge, doesn't matter at all. No. Well, the reality is Herschel Walker is not in law enforcement, never has been in law enforcement. It doesn't matter how many honorary deputy badges he has. Nothing changes that. And the context of him uh, presenting his badge at one point was because he was carrying a firearm. So it was a really different situation. It was not just, oh, by the way. Um, but no, certainly he has done a lot of volunteer work with um, with police departments all across Georgia. And Republicans will tell you that. They don't care about this badge, to be honest with you. They don't care about a lot of things. They care about Joe Biden. They care about inflation. They care about getting control of the Senate back. And I think those are the top priorities for Republicans right now. The badge just sort of reinforces Democrats' sense that he is ridiculous and should not be running in the first place. Well, uh, uh, Stephen, uh, talking about uh, they care, Republicans care about Biden's record. Here's how Herschel Walker, one example of how over and over again in the debate, uh, Walker tried to tie Warnock to Biden. Let's listen. You have to blame this administration and Senator Warnock because within two years, this inflation has gotten worse. Can you tell me why he voted with Joe Biden 96% of the time if he was standing for Georgia? Stephen? I mean, at the end of the day, if Herschel Walker wins, if he thinks he's a law enforcement officer, if he is hypocritical on every single issue possible, at the end of the day, he could be the 51st vote that Republicans need to control the Senate chamber. And in our hyper-partisan times, that's going to matter to Republicans and people who want to see Republican power advance at the federal level than just about anything else he could have done. I mean, same to a different but slightly similar degree as we're seeing in Pennsylvania with John Fetterman, the Democratic candidate there. You know, Democrats see him as a candidate that even though he's got some flaws and some issues and there are some concerns about his recovery from the stroke, he could be the one that could help them stay in power in the Senate. And so we're at this point right now where it's the wins and loss columns that matter more than how ugly the victory it is to get you there. And I think with Herschel Walker and Georgia and the Senate and things that we're seeing right now, that it's not going to matter. But the thing that'll be the key question here Herschel Walker, by and large, has support from the Republicans he's going to get. There's some that are going to vote for the Libertarian. There's some that aren't going to vote at all. There's some that are going to vote for Raphael Warnock. But the question is, is Herschel Walker and his base Republican strategy is probably not going to get you to 50 percent plus one in Georgia anymore. So the question is, will that be enough to force a runoff? Or is the base of the Republican Party strong but smaller than it used to be? Kendra? Stephen posed a lot of questions there. Um, can't answer many of them, but I, I do agree uh, with this fact. Um, I, I, I think that this is bigger than our state. And so um, the Herschel Walker campaign has triaged throughout these last 14 months. Um, literally, um, this, is, this potentially could be a casualty of war if he is elected um, for our state, um, but it could be a win in the bigger picture in terms of national governance. Um, and so for, for me right now, I, I think that Warnock is going to edge out 
Um, I think he's going to edge out. I think you're going to see these split ticket voters uh, rise up. And I, I think we're going to have um, some partisan politics at its best. It's going to be an ugly rest of this month um, in early November. Um, and if Walker does win, if there's a snowball's chance that he pulls this out, I think this is going to be an upset um, that we'll talk about for years to come for the Democrats. All right. Ooh, thank you, Kendra. Uh, tell you what I need to do. I need to get to the first break of the show. I want to talk about one other uh, moment or several moments in the Friday night debate uh, when we come back from our break now and then move beyond that uh, to talk more about the uh, gubernatorial uh, debate, which comes up tonight. You're listening to Political Rewind. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. Welcome back to uh, Political Rewind. Just a quick note. Um, Jack Ellis, who's the former mayor of Macon, listens to this show, I would say, almost religiously. He's listening every single day. Jack just sent me a note. And uh, I take his comment and his criticism. He said in my reference to Herschel Walker doing damage to himself in the debate, I used an illusion uh, that was particularly offensive in regard to black uh, men. Uh, I, and and I think Jack makes a point that I should take into consideration. And if any of you out there were concerned about it, as Jack was, I, I truly do apologize. It was I could have said something like shoot himself in the foot or just do himself damage. So I apologize to any listeners who were offended by the remark that I made. All right, enough of that. Patricia Murphy is with us. Stephen Fowler, Alan Abramowitz, Kendra King, Maman also uh, with us today. Patricia, one last thing. Abortion obviously has been a huge issue, particularly for Democrats in this uh, contest. Let's listen to a uh, moment in the debate in which the candidates talked about abortion. He says no exceptions, even in the case of rape, incest, or the life of the mother. I think that's extreme. And instead of aborting those babies, why are you not baptizing those babies? I support the Georgia heartbeat bill because that's the bill of the people from Governor Kemp. And I said that has exceptions in it. Patricia, that was a moment in the debate that I, I thought there was a failure on the part first of Raphael Warnock, but then also, frankly, on the part of the moderators to do a little fact checking there. Herschel Walker has said, number one, he believes in a federal law that would ban abortion. And number two, he said repeatedly he wants no exceptions at all. And yet he got away scot-free by suddenly shifting to saying he supports the heartbeat law. Yes, he said this one time last week on the campaign trail, which was the first time he had ever said it. Um, and then on the debate stage as well, that is a new position for Herschel Walker. And he has said, he, he has been asked dozens of times, what exceptions would you be comfortable with? Would you be comfortable with any exceptions? No. Um, so this is a, just a very, very new standard for him. It's um, still an unpopular position among Georgians who believe that the 
six-week ban in Georgia is also too extreme. Um, however, it is a it's a place where he is getting to a place where Republicans would be more comfortable with him. Um, I think this exchange on abortion was one of the places where Herschel Walker showed he was very prepared. Uh, he rolled out a line um, after Raphael Warnock said, which Warnock says all the time, the a patient's room is too small for a woman, her doctor, and the federal government to be making a decision about abortion. And Herschel Walker said, but what about a baby? There's a baby in that room. He's never said that. He's never um, used that line on the campaign trail that I've been aware of, and it was very effective in the room at that moment. It is exactly what Republicans wanted him to be saying. And um, you could just sort of see the circle of advisors huddled around him in debate prep for <laughs> weeks and weeks and weeks leading up to this to say, what can we say? What can we say to stop his momentum on this issue? And so um, yeah. he, he has been spending a ton of time doing debate prep, and I think it showed in, on that debate stage. Kendra, I had the same reaction. That moment, perhaps more than any other, although there were others that showed just how carefully he'd been prepared by people who are consultants who have a lot of experience in preparing candidates for debates. Undoubtedly, uh, he he came out swinging um, on on that particular issue. I I think he uh, literally put uh, Warnock up against the ropes. Um, we are still a very conservative state. We are the Bible Belt, as I've said before, and I think that did um, gain him some momentum. I think you're going to see Walker in these next several weeks um, align as much as possible, even if it's a change in position uh, with Governor Kemp, to try to align himself with that lead there. Stephen? It, I mean, it, it is, it's a, it's a risky strategy to uh, change your position on abortion so close to the election, especially for him, because one, uh, plenty of people will highlight the sudden shift. I mean, some people have called it a softening of the stance. Others have called it backtracking or reversing. So you risk having that highlighted, but also for Herschel Walker, any talk about abortion then is tied to this damaging story about him paying for an abortion for an ex-girlfriend and kind of keeping that story alive more than they would probably like to do. And again, it just goes and reinforces people's pre-existing beliefs and feelings about Walker or about Warnock, especially on the issue of abortion. But one question, you know, I'm full of questions today, but one question I have, not just about this Senate race, is that how much the issue of abortion and the stances of abortion will motivate or not motivate certain voters to the poll. One thing that I've talked with some Republicans, especially in uh, more rural parts of the state, is a concern that uh, the Dobbs decision over the summer might have fewer voters come out and vote because the dog has caught the car. The issue of abortion has, for now, been taken up by the Supreme Court and sent back to the states. And in a state like Georgia, we already have a very strict abortion law. And so there's less of a motivating factor to go out and vote for candidates that are pushing pro-life, anti-abortion legislation because, you know, we're as good as it gets for them here in Georgia. So that's something to watch for as well. Ellen, Stephen anticipated the question I was going to pose to you. To what extent are Democrats going to win on the issue of abortion, which they have pushed forward over and over again, Stacey Abrams, uh, and Raphael Warnock both making it major parts of their campaign. Yeah. Well, that's right. And in fact, um, if you look at the advertising that um, Democratic candidates have been 
of running in these competitive races here in Georgia, but also in, in many other states. Um, abortion has been front and center. Abortion has been um, by far um, the, 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 the issue that they've emphasized the most. Um, and, and, I, and I think there's no question that there's been a shift on the issue of abortion where Democratic voters are now more motivated by the issue than Republican voters are because of the Dobbs decision. The question, however, is, um, is a, how important is the issue of abortion going to be relative to other issues in this election, uh, particularly mm-hmm. relative to the economy and inflation? And what we're seeing, I think, in some of the recent polling on this is that while abortion remains an important issue to a lot of voters, especially Democratic voters and especially Democratic women, that um, over the past few weeks, it's perhaps faded somewhat, perhaps uh, become a little bit less salient um, as the economy has moved front and center again, uh, where we've seen this you know, a, a resurgence of inflation uh, and we've seen um, you know, more concern about rising interest rates and the, and the threat of a recession. I think that that has, uh, it's, that's something that is going to work to the advantage uh, of Republicans uh, to, the, you know, to the extent that inflation and, and the economy are front and center. Um, it works to the advantage of Republicans who are seen uh, as uh, better able to handle that issue right now, um, as opposed to abortion where Democrats clearly have have the advantage. And, and, you know, there are other issues as well, of course, but those are the two big ones. Um, Patricia, you're welcome to weigh in on that. Uh, I, I want to ask an additional question, um, and that's about the presence last night in the Atlanta Press Club debate, which aired on GPB-TV, Raphael Warnock and Chase Oliver, the libertarian candidate, who's got no exposure at all in this race. Um without uh, Herschel Walker on the stage. So if you want to say a couple words about the abortion issue, please do. But then I want to ask you, to, it strikes me that Raphael Warnock did a good job last night, but if anybody w- really be, uh, improved a position, it was Chase Oliver. He was really a strong candidate in that debate last night. Yes, well, I'll just quickly agree with um, Dr. Abramowitz that I do think that abortion is going to be balanced in the minds of voters. I think voters are even right now still deciding which is going to win out in their minds. Um, I think the sort of like economic conditions will really play a role in that as we get closer and closer to Election Day. It may just be a gut check issue that ends up in the voting booth. Um, However, I think that last night, um, Chase Oliver who has run before here in Atlanta. He's run for that fifth district seat that people have seen him before. He's also the head of the Libertarian Party here in the Atlanta area. Um, And so he's well known to Libertarians. And he is the reason that we could be looking at a runoff here in Georgia. And you can see why he really equipped himself very, very well on the debate stage last night. Um, And he is the alternative, especially for those Republicans who can't get there with Herschel Walker, don't want to vote for Raphael Warnock, don't want to leave a blank. Um, And he is drawing votes away right now from Herschel Walker, keeping this race under 50 percent. Yeah, Alan, I I think I'm right. And Patricia can check me if I'm wrong. But the most recent poll with that GPB News, the AJC and the Georgia News Collaborative released last week showed that um, he had about 6 percent or a little less than that support. Have I got that number just about right, Patricia? 
Yeah, Oliver? he's been pulling at about between four and six percent, which is quite a bit okay. more than the Libertarian in the governor's race, is at about one percent. Yeah. Yeah. Alan, uh, your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that um, Chase Oliver is uh, being seen as an alternative by re- Republicans, uh, conservatives uh, uh, who um, uh, can't bring themselves to vote for Herschel Walker, but don't want to, are, are not going to vote for, for uh, you know, for Warnock. So um, he's, he, he's likely to exceed um, the kind of normal libertarian vote share in Georgia, which is closer to two or three percent uh, of the vote. I don't think he'll exceed it by all that much. Um, and, and I think in, in all likelihood, his vote share will tend to fall, will decline, uh, which is what usually happens to third party candidates as you get closer to the election and voters become increasingly concerned about not wasting their vote. Uh, nobody thinks that Chase Oliver has any chance of becoming the next U.S. senator from Georgia. So uh, from that standpoint, it's it's just a way of expressing your dissatisfaction. Is a vote for Chase Oliver is a, is a way uh, is a protest vote. It's it's a way of expressing your discontent with the two major party candidates. But certainly he could get enough votes to force a runoff between a uh, Walker and Warnock. We've seen that happen before uh, here in Georgia. It just happened in the last uh, in 2020, and 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 it could very well happen again. Kendra, I thought one of the most interesting things Chase Oliver said last night was he recognizes he he could force a runoff, but is not likely to be in that runoff. And he already said that he's going to issue invitations for both Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker to appear in front of a libertarian audience to express their points of view. He's a very he's really a clever and pretty smart uh, candidate. Absolutely. And I think this is the thing when you look at Chase Oliver and even how he was so tactical uh, last night and in, in, in the ways in which he went after uh, Raphael Warnock, um, he, he, he's the type of candidate um, who understands, listen, I'm going to bring awareness um, to, to the issues that aren't being heard or talked mm-hmm. about by the two major parties. And so, again, um, I, I think last night he was, he was scruffy. Um, I, I felt like he didn't have anything to lose, so he went at Warnock in a way we haven't even seen Herschel Walker do. And I think it was effective, again, for those who were watching, um, granted a very small audience, um, but for those of us who were geeked out, nerded out on this last night, um, I, I do think that um, he, he, he did a great job, um, if I could say so myself. Stephen? Yeah, it's, you know, there are frequently libertarian candidates that rotate in and out through some of these top races, but really... You know, I don't necessarily want to say this is the year of the libertarian, but, you know, you are seeing uh, the libertarians kind of come into clarity as a way for Georgians to express sort of displeasure with the uh, razor thin mm-hmm. nature of the state and to really kind of express their displeasure with some of the positions that both Democrats and Republicans take. But I do think, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the debate on Friday was effective for Herschel Walker in as much as he was able to land some of his same attacks on Raphael Warnock and provide himself some video and footage for things like that. But really, a lot of the debate last night was Chase Oliver uh, just kind of unloading on both candidates. And it was just a really, uh, I mean, again, not that many people were watching, but if you're looking for somebody to vote for that's not Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock, Chase Oliver said, why not me? 
Um, we should point out that Quinnipiac uh, is, to my, the best of my knowledge, um, among the major pollsters, the only polling organization that has put a candidate in that race over 50%. Their recent poll has um, Warnock at like 50, almost 52%. Other than that, neither of the candidates seem to be there. And uh, so Chase Oliver could be a factor in all this. Let's take our final break of the show and come back and talk about what we expect to see tonight between Kemp and Abrams. Welcome back to Political Rewind. All right, tonight, Brian Kemp, Stacey Abrams debate. Uh, the Atlanta Press Club sponsors a debate. It'll appear on uh, GPB TV. Stephen, is it a seven o'clock start time? Do you know? Yes, live, live, live at seven tonight. Um, all right. As long as we uh, start with you, Stephen, um, we know the polling uh, shows that uh, Kemp is ahead in almost every poll. There are varying polls that show just how big the margin is. But so let's start with Kemp. What does Kemp have to do tonight, assuming that he is ahead, um, to make sure that he doesn't do anything to damage his lead? Well, he's going to have to defend some pretty sharp attacks from Stacey Abrams on some of the conservative policies that he's signed into law and championed over the last four years. Um, You know, Brian Kemp has had the luxury on the campaign trail of going beyond the Republican base by touting the strong economy that Georgia's had, uh, record surplus, uh, tax cuts, teacher pay increases, things like that. But he hasn't really had to weather a lot of the direct criticism from Democrats that have featured in Democratic ads and things like that. And so Stacey Abrams is going to come out strong against those things, and he's going to have to defend that uh, and he's probably going to try to focus more on things like the economy and then obviously attacking Abrams as well. Yes, yes, I agree. I think Kemp's main dish will be the economy, the economy, the economy with sort of a, a side dish of police and public safety. He has been a very disciplined campaigner and just hammering his good positive news on the economy Stacey Abrams is going to try and puncture that and say, okay, it's good for, you know, this part of the state, it's bad for these people in the state in poverty, people who don't have health care because you have not expanded Medicaid here in the state, Um, not good for women because of X, Y, and Z. So she'll try and puncture um, puncture his sort of bragging rights on the state, which is doing quite well financially. Um, I think also she has a real balancing act as any woman does on a debate stage in that she wants to be aggressive against Kemp, but she has to remain, you know, quote, likable and relatable. And I think women in particular have a have a, an extra bar to clear in these debate settings where typically a man could just go in and hammer the other guy and she's got to do both at the same time, be very likable and relatable, but also um, uh, try and convince voters Kemp is not this independent brand who stood up against Donald Trump. He's an extremist, in her words. He's done all of these things to leave half of Georgia on the sidelines. And that's the message she's going to try and leave voters with. Kendra? Yeah, I I think, again, um, I would say that that Governor Kemp doesn't really have to do anything tonight. Um, And I I know that 
that, that you know, doesn't sound um, the most political thing to say, but uh, he doesn't. I mean, he has this lead. Uh, he's going to focus on the valence issues that have gotten him to this particular position. I think he's going to be able to justify his tough on crime legislation that he's trying to get through, you know, the House uh, right now. And so I think he uh, is going to ha- he'll stay the course tonight. Um, I think for Abrams, I, I want to um, add something to what Patricia said, because um, it, it is so true in terms of uh, what she has to do as a woman. Let's add her race to that as well. Um, she cannot afford to come off tonight as the angry black woman. That is what hurt her in part in 2018. And so she's going to have to be uh, tactical, um, but but very um, clear in what she goes after. And I, I think she also has to be careful with the, um, it, it it's benefiting half the state, but it's not benefiting the other part of the state, because for those who maybe aren't going to vote for her to begin with, um, they're just going to see that as racialized politics um, and feeding into that. So so I think there's this fear of other that she's going to have to navigate. Um, and I think she's going to tonight have to appeal to to women. Uh, she's going to have to go strong after the abortion issue. She's going to have to appeal to, to young people. And she's really going to have to appeal to African-American influencers uh, in the hip-hop community uh, in the city of Atlanta in particular, mm. but throughout the state. Ellen? Well, I, I want to say I agree with just about everything that's just been said. I mean, I, I think that Kemp's in a pretty strong position going into this debate, but he does have some vulnerabilities. And I think that um, Stacey Abrams is going to have to try to exploit those vulnerabilities. And, and those include issues like abortion, certainly. His position on abortion is a position on gun control um, and is a p- position on Medicaid expansion. I think all those are things that are pretty unpopular. And I think she needs to point that out. She needs to try to energize the Democratic base and uh, try to peel away um, some of those um, uh, swing voters right now who are who are tilting toward Kemp. But she's got a tough job because, frankly, uh, the way I like to describe it is that Brian Kemp is benefiting from the strong Biden economy. Um, and, and here's what I mean by that. It's sort of ironic because Joe Biden and the Democrats get blamed for inflation, but they're not getting the credit for the very strong job creation Uh, economic growth that we've had at least up until now. Uh, That may not continue, but that's what we've had so far. That's why largely Georgia is doing so well. Uh, It's not so much anything Brian Kemp has done. It's that the national economy is doing very well. We've had a lot of job growth. Um, This is benefiting incumbent governors around the country for the most part. They can run based on the strong economic record thanks to the, the strong national economy, but they don't get blamed for inflation. It's the, uh, you know, it's the federal government and, and the president uh, and the president's party that get blamed for inflation. So, but that's what Kemp has going for him. And I think he's going to play that card. He's going to emphasize the economy. And, you know, as an incumbent, uh, as sort of a more mainstream conservative, as opposed to some of the more extreme, you know, Trumpian conservatives, I think he's in a strong position. Um, you know, it's tough to beat an incumbent governor. Incumbent governors yeah. rarely lose. Um, and when they do, it's usually because there's some big scandal or because the economy is in very bad uh, shape. And neither of those things uh, are, are, the, are true here. So I, I think Kemp is, is this clear favorite. Uh, Patricia, uh, Allen makes a point that Bernie Sanders, among other Democrats, have started making. And that is, why aren't Democrats running more on the strong economy instead of talking only about abortion uh, and other hot-button issues. Um, and Alan is making that same, very same point uh, mm-hmm. in our conversation. Yeah, well, I think it, you know, by many metrics, it's a strong economy. But, 
Georgians don't feel like it's a strong economy in a lot of cases. Right. You can't go to the grocery store and think, wow, I just got a lot of bang for my buck. You know, you get sticker shock every time you go to the grocery store. And I think gas prices are going to be ticking up. That's the kind of um, uh, forecasting that we're getting. Uh, interest rates are going up. We have no idea what that's going to do to the Atlanta uh, real estate market. So I think there are a lot of unknowns and a lot of economic uncertainty. So that if Biden came out and said, or that any Democrat came out in the state of Georgia and said, look how great everything is, uh, the people that they are appealing to the most, and that's not what Dr. Bramowitz said, but the people mm-hmm. they're appealing to the most, it's a much more nuanced economic picture right yep. now. Well, that's right, Alan. I think it's got to be a more nuanced message. But but right. but Bernie Sanders, like you would argue, nevertheless, there are ways that Democrats can talk about inflation yeah. in the economy, and, and they're Biden, not doing Biden, it at all. Biden does talk about that somewhat, but uh, the problem is that the subjective economy uh, is bad, and meaning that when voters are asked about the condition of the national economy, um, the main thing that that concerns them right now is inflation and the cost of living. And um, so perceptions of the national economy are pretty negative right now, despite the strong job growth. You know, the job market is still very, very good right now, um, but it's not enough to overcome this concern about inflation. But when people ask about the state's economy and how the state is doing, that's much more positive. And that's where, you know, that's where Kemp is benefiting from this, uh, you know, the strength of the national economy to a large extent. We also care. Now, George is doing better than the nation a bit, you know, but overall it's, it's benefiting from the strong job growth and the state's budget is in a surplus because of that strong job growth and strong uh, national economy. Kendra, we're running out of time, but I think you made a really interesting point that we have not talked about on this show. And that's, you talked about Stacey Abrams having to make an impact on the social influencers uh, in Atlanta's music, hip-hop, rap community. And and that's something that, I mean, she's got apparently a problem attracting uh, black male voters, and even the social influencers in that community, uh, Killer Mike, for example, have been have made skeptical comments about her. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough haul. You know, uh, Stacey Abrams is expected to be all things for all people. And when she yeah. shifts um, in any way, um, even if it's uh, to a slight pivot, um, she opens herself up for attack. Uh, but I do believe, again, that um, I'll, I'll quote Little Baby, who said the other day, listen, um, if you want to change crime in the city of Atlanta, connect to young people, right? And so I'm, 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 I'm making an appeal in this uh, regard only um, that I, I do think there's a market to tap into. We know Kim isn't going to tap into that market at all. Um, so it's still on the table. And so if it's not Stacey Abrams directly influencing them, maybe some of her uh, leadership. I appreciate your adding that because it's a it's an aspect of the campaign we simply have not talked about at all. Right, we're completely out of time for today's uh, show. Thank you to our GPB management for letting us do this show without a single pledge break. You can join us at gpb.org. Just press on donate and uh, do it. But my thanks in the meantime to uh, Kendra King Moman, to uh, Patricia Murphy, to Alan Abramowitz, and. Uh, to Stephen Fowler. We're back with a brand new show tomorrow. I'm Bill Nygut. In the meantime, please take care and stay healthy. Bye-bye, everybody.